the Dating While Adulting podcast, the greatest podcast ever made, if we may say so ourselves. Go to datingwhileadulting.com for access to everything related to the podcast. That's our Twitter, our YouTube, blog, information about the hosts, etc. So with all that being said, let's get to the conversation. Thank you all for coming back, as you always do. I really appreciate you all for showing up. It is where I am in the world, at least it's sunny for a change. It's been raining for so much for so long. But you probably don't care about that where you are. So I'll just move on off of that. Anyway, today, today I want to talk about Amy Robach and TJ Holmes. Well, I don't really care to talk about them specifically, but I do want to use them like I usually do to speak about a broader point. And for people that don't know, um, TJ and Amy, they're two of the 592 different hosts on a morning show called Good Morning America. And for people living in America, you have to forgive me for giving such a basic explanation or whatever, or giving a more detailed explanation than um, is warranted. I know a lot of cats are just like, we know what Good Morning America is. We watch that mess. I don't watch it, but looking at the numbers of the... um, looking at the numbers for this podcast, there are some st- there are still some people that actually listen that aren't here in the United States. So I'm explaining for their benefit. And so for people that are here, you just have to deal with it. Suck it up and just, just wait. Still trust me out that people listen outside of the country, but it's greatly appreciated. And for all you people outside of the country, tell 50 friends to tell 50 friends. Anyway, TJ um, and Amy... They are married to other people. They're not married to each other. Now, with that said, TJ and Amy both have left their respective spouses to be with each other. And as of the time that I'm recording this, they have been suspended from their jobs as co-hosts, one of the many co-hosts of Good Morning America. So TJ has been married since 2010. Amy has been married to her husband since 2010 as well. They both also had marriages prior to their current marriages. When I see situations like this, situations like multiple marriages, affairs, broken homes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention that both TJ and Amy, they both have children that have to deal with this now as well. So that's the broken home part of it. But When I think about situations like that, it makes me wonder about the institution of marriage. And it actually, it doesn't make me wonder about marriage because you can make marriage what you want it to be. I guess I should say that it makes me wonder about togetherness for lack of a better word to use for it, or more about how people view togetherness. Again, lack of a better word, togetherness is just the word for now. And it makes me wonder how we're built as humans. Like for example, are we, are we built to be with one person forever in the way that we think that someone's supposed to be with someone forever? Like, there isn't anybody in my life that I have or want to see every day. Nobody that I have seen every day. But you pretty much have to do that with the spouse in the way that we think of togetherness being. You get many breaks from that person, but nothing major. Like (laughs) there are several people in my life that I love dearly, but I don't want to see or talk to them every day. 
And I and I think and I think that us not speaking or seeing each other for periods of time, me and that person, I think that us um, not speaking or seeing each other for periods of time, not seeing each other has is one of the things that has sustained those relationships that I've had with friends, family, whatever, for years without me hating their guts or whatever. But marriages, relationships, or those in that togetherness or whatever you want to call it, let's just call it a relationship. I mean, sheesh, even though everything's a relationship, we'll stick to togetherness. Anyway, in those marriages or relationships or whatever you want to call it, togetherness, it's like you're forced, you're forcing each other, like, into a space that might be too confining, not just for them, but for you as well. It's like, how can you not get bored with someone um, that you, when you're with them every single day? How can things not get stale if you're forced to converse with them every single day? So when I look at TJ and Amy, two people that have been married multiple times, now engaged in an affair, I have to think that part of the issue was that they were in spaces that were too confining for them. Now, with that said, whose fault is that? Now, now I would think as someone who's never been married before, that after their first marriages failed, that you would take an inventory, you know, and in that, in taking that inventory, you realize that part of the reason for the failure of the marriage wasn't necessarily because you two didn't necessarily get along, but more that your belief structure, belief structure of what marriage should look like was too confining for you. And then, and then for those that don't take the inventory and don't have that self-awareness, you know, you kind of like go back into the same thing. I don't know. I don't know. But if you do have that self-awareness, you know, you go into the next marriage with a different understanding of what you need um, to be with someone forever. But people act too much on emotion. And emotion like chemistry is just, honestly, to me, it's just a trap to get you into something that you probably, that probably isn't sustainable. And while I don't know it for a fact, I'm guessing that TJ and Amy, while they were having their affair, didn't have a discussion about the details that would make a relationship sustainable for the two of them. Instead, they probably just acted on emotion, emotion and some lust, honestly, because lust always factors into it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like many, like many, they probably didn't blame the confining structure of marriage or togetherness for the issues that they had with their spouses in the past or their current spouses that won't be their spouses soon enough. They probably just blame their spouses for being too boring or not satisfying them in some kind of way or something like that. Um, yeah, they'll blame the other person. Or maybe they'll actually blame themselves, you know, for the failure of the relationship, togetherness or whatever you want to call it. But what they often don't do, just people in general, they don't blame the structure that is built on failure and is designed to fail, at least as we as we as a society practice it. I mean, how many, every now and then, every now and then, 
you come across someone who says, I'm not built for marriage. Actually, you find that a lot when people come out of divorces. They say, I'm not built for marriage. I'm never getting married again, which is cool. I'm not knocking that hustle. I mean, but they don't really usually go into detail about why they're not built for marriage or why marriage isn't meant for them. Usually, it'll be based on their last relationship or their last marriage. And because that didn't go well, they don't want to have a similar experience, not evaluating, well, yeah, I am made for marriage and I do want to get married married again, but in this way, this is what I want it to look like. So, yeah. So I hear people say all the time that they don't want to be married again, or they're not built for marriage or whatever, but they don't really go into the details as to why. And it's usually all predicated on what happened in their last relationship and not wanting to repeat that as opposed to designing what would work, what would marriage look like for them? Because while I do question whether we are built to be with the same person for 150 years and see them every day, like I said earlier, I also don't think that we were built to be alone either and just be single and just, you know, (laughs) be like animals and just meet somebody, have sex, knock them up and then move on. I don't think that humans were meant that way. I think there's a component or something in us that makes us, that gives us a desire to be with someone, you know? So yeah, it's conflicting. So if, 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 we're built that way to be with someone, then we have to spend more time thinking about what that looks like to be with someone as opposed to trying to act like that part of our ourselves doesn't exist and stuff like that. Because those people that I talk to are like, I'm not getting married and all this stuff. I'm not, no, this relationship stuff isn't meant for me. Yeah, that's until they come come across the next person that they actually like. Once um, they, their, their wounds heal and all of that stuff, yeah, they're back at it. They're back at it. They're just talking that talk um, out of hurt, um, out of fear, out of anger, out of something like that. But to the core, that's not how we're built. We're built to be with someone, and so to try to try to deny that, you're just cutting off your nose to spite your face. But anyway. Yeah. But and, and, and to that point, and I don't want people to get me wrong or anything like that by questioning, like if you're meant to be with someone and see someone every single day, because that's different from being with someone, you know, um, people that listen to people that listen to this podcast and have listened to this podcast know how I feel about marriage and know that I love the idea of marriage. I aspire to be married. I will be married. But what's different is what my marriage will look like. And that's something I've kind of talked about in the past. And for TJ and Amy, um, they should get to define how their relationship will look because the way that they have been defining it hasn't been working. As a matter of fact, looking at the mess that they've made so far and how this is all like playing out publicly in the media and stuff like that, it's been failing miserably. But with that said, uh, they're probably just acting on emotion and lust right now and just figuring, well, my wife wasn't this or my husband wasn't this or 
I wasn't that, or I wasn't this, and just not honestly defining, this is what I need to be successful. Based on the person that I am, I need this to be in a successful relationship. And that could be time apart. Um, That can be um, even including other people into the marriage, Um, whatever it is, whatever you need to be with someone in this age of social media and all of these groups and stuff like that, you can find exactly what you're looking for. You just have to be honest about what you're looking for and what you honestly need to sustain you for the next, for the demographic of this podcast, 30 years, maybe if you're lucky (laughs) before you die, that's all you need, you know, uh, not to, but this isn't the way, the way that they went about it and all of that stuff, leaving all of these people broken and all of this stuff, the kids, the spouses and all of that stuff. Um, That doesn't seem to be the way, but also staying in a miserable marriage doesn't seem to be the way either. So just seems like it all could have been handled better had they been honest about what they needed. Now, with that said, though, it's easy to say that, but they both were married this latest time for 12 years and your needs can evolve. And in the next podcast, I think I'm going to talk about how um, how things evolve in relationships, but that's down the road. That's maybe next week or whatever. But yeah, it's not, not looking good for them. But maybe it is looking good for them. Maybe this will be the one. Mm. Or maybe not. Anyway, moving on. We, for people that listen to this, to these episodes, um, where are we now? Like 150 of them now, which is weird to say. Um, if you follow them, you know that we usually end these. And I say we, speaking about me and Reggie. <laughs> yeah, that Reggie. Um we usually end these by talking about divorce and death. And I think we pretty much covered the divorce part. So talking about the death, um, um, I always talk about people that listen to the show. They often, they also know that I spend a lot of time talking about divorce. I mean, not divorce, I'm sorry, talking about health and I'm constantly lecturing specifically men to go see the doctor and to focus more on their physical health. But what I don't do enough is emphasize the need for all of us to spend more time focusing on our mental health as well. And the reason I'm bringing that up now is because this guy that goes by the moniker of Twitch, he died not too long ago. Um, Twitch's real name is Stephen Boss. And for people that don't know, he was known for being the DJ on the Ellen DeGeneres talk show. Um, he was 40 years old. He has a wife and three kids. He has a wife and three children. I was trying to say kid and children at the same time. He has a wife and three children. And from the outside viewer, he looked to have the life that many people would have done anything for. Obviously, from the inside, he didn't see it that way. It's a shame that that man with that family 
um, felt that the best way to deal with whatever he was dealing with was to take his own life. I don't know what he was dealing with, obviously, but I feel comfortable saying that suicide wasn't the best option for him. Suicide is rarely ever the best option. And instead of it being the last resort, um, way too many people look at it as like the go-to in tough times. For the vast majority of suicides, they come without the person having, having exhausted all, the, all of the options that are available to them. And this isn't to speak negatively, and forgive, forgive me for my phone going off. This isn't to speak negatively about Stephen. That's definitely not what I'm trying to do. But what it is meant to do is to encourage you to exhaust every option. And, and when you've exhausted every other option, Call the suicide hotline in this country, in the United States. The number is simply 988. They're available 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I understand the struggles with mental health. I understand the the process or processes that people have to go through to seek help for mental health, because a lot of people will simply say, get help. But what exactly does that entail when you actually do go into the details of trying to get help? Um, you know, let's say look for a therapist. You go to a therapy site and and start looking for therapists and you realize, wow, therapists are expensive. <laughs> they um, I think the average that I that I saw was about 150 to 200 bucks a session, something like that, which is which is something that a lot of people can't afford. Okay, so I guess the next step would be go through your insurance or insurance companies are adding mental health services as part of their coverage. So you just have to pay whatever deductible and copay that you have. So that would cut down the cost a lot. And for people that can't necessarily um, afford that, then um, there is Medicaid uh, for people who are struggling financially. That's another way that you can go to seek help. There are websites now that kind of corral counselors, like um, BetterHelp is one of them that you can go to. And I think the cost of that is like 60 bucks a session. But there are options. And notice I didn't say go talk to your family or go talk to um, your friends, because sometimes your family and friends can just make, make stuff worse. <laughs> Because family and friends, they're not necessarily equipped to deal with the struggles that someone, you, whoever you are, might be going through. And in that, they can only speak from their experience. And some of their experiences are so fucked up and shitty that any advice that you get from them will be fucked up and shitty. <laughs> and, and I know that a lot of people, at least in in certain communities, their solution is to go, go to their church or go see their pastor or minister or whomever. And that's not a bad option. Um, but you also have to keep in mind that depending on who that person is that you're going to and entrusting with your mental health, you have to understand that they haven't been professionally trained either. So, you know, um, but with that said, they are or most likely will be more objective than someone 
one of your family or one, one of your family members or one of your friends or something like that. So the point in all of it is that if anyone's considering suicide, that should be the last option. And before you get to that last option, there are so many other resources that you can exhaust. And I would encourage everyone to exhaust those resources because life is rough and nobody gets out of it unscathed. But with that said, the difference between those that commit suicide and don't commit suicide the major difference is that they just kept exhausting their resources, putting one foot in front of the other until things got better, which things always do. That's the only difference, the only real difference, you know, because everybody goes through bad things. Nobody's bad experiences are unique, but there is a difference between those that handle it one way versus handling it another. There's nothing about it. Like you say, well, I don't have family. I don't have friends. Well, they don't have family or friends either. Um, I don't have money. They didn't have money either. Everything that you can list is bad in your life. There are other people that are experiencing the same thing, if not worse, but they're dealing with it in a different way. So you have to think of it like that. There's always a better way. There's always other options. Just have to keep plugging along, you know? Yeah, just have to keep plugging along. But it gets better. It always does. It always does. I'm done here. Reggie, you have anything to say? You go to therapy. And again, for people listening for the first time, Reggie's not my imaginary friend. If you go back and listen to the first 50 episodes, he was the original co-host of this show. And I like to still mention him because I still consider him the co-host, even though he never comes on anymore. But yeah, I just like to tweak him. It's just fun to me to troll, fun for me to troll him. But I am not crazy. <laughs> um, I do not have an imaginary friend. And I guess crazy is not the right word to use considering what we're talking about. But With that said, define your relationships in the way that works for you. And if you feel troubled, alone, whatever it is, reach out to somebody. Reach out to me. Send me an email, michael at datingwhileadulting.com. Yeah. Now, with that said, I haven't been trained to help somebody either. But with that said, I can listen. All right, I'm done here. Thank you all for listening. As always, I appreciate you. I say that, but I don't know that I say it enough. Now I have my hoodie on. I can go run. Um, Goodbye.